This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, with Pope Francis arriving here in the United States, many people have taken notice of the change that he's trying to institute within the Catholic Church. The fact that he is discussing climate change, criticizing the church where needed. He might even be thinking about changing the church's stance on divorce. It's an amazing change for the Catholic Church, but also change the size that not many companies would undertake. John Kimberly is a professor of management as well as entrepreneurial management and healthcare management here at the Wharton School. He's also the co-author of a 2007 book that we'll bring up in this discussion as well called The Soul of a Corporation, How to Manage the Identity of Your Company. John, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Dan, great to be here. Looking forward to our discussion. This is, I mean, this is amazing because we're talking about a Catholic church that has gone through unbelievable negative attention over the last many years. And yet we have a Pope trying to make this change and coming to the United States in what will be the first time in many, many years that a Pope will be on American soil. It is an incredibly, I think, important time for the Catholic Church. I couldn't agree more. Um, And before we get started, let me make a claimer and a disclaimer. Okay. Uh, the claimer is, you know, what I do for a living is worry about organizational change and innovation. That gets me up in the morning and keeps yep. me going all day. And that is uh, presumably the reason why we're having this conversation today about the Catholic Church. On the other hand, I want to be clear that I am not a Catholic myself, yep. Yep. and I'm not a theologian. So I don't pretend to have any sort of uh, insights or depth in the area of Scripture and, sure. and, and ecclesiastical pronouncements sure. and so on. But what I do bring, I think, to the discussion is a perspective on, on change and innovation. And as you say, what's going on now in the Catholic Church is nothing short of seismic. When you think about all of the th- articles that have been written and, and now the Pope uh, making uh, this visit to the United States, as we talked about before we went on the air, in many respects— He is the CEO of a massively large global company right now. Um, He is at least nominally the CEO of what is arguably the largest and historically most successful uh, corporation, firm, organization known to mankind. Um, The Catholic Church has been there for hundreds of years. Um, It's by most measures the wealthiest organization in, on the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of people whose lives it touches in one way or another is huge. So yeah, he is. Um, he sits at the top, at the apex of a huge, and by most measures, um, historically, up until recently, uh, very, very successful organization. So w- with what he is trying to do, and, and obviously he's trying to build back, in uh, your book talk about you know protecting brand identity and building up, up brands, he is talking about trying to rebuild a brand right here because of it having been devastated and a lot of Catholics losing their perspective on the trust they have in the Catholic Church. Well, that's a, you know, it's, it's an interesting question, I think, to try to understand exactly what the Pope is trying to do. Um, is he trying to rebuild the brand? Um, and if he is, how is he going to be able to do that? I think what he is faced with is a number of challenges 
that have to do at one level with the brand, but also what's underneath the brand. That is, mm-hmm. what specific actions the church is taking on the one hand, and what kinds of sort of strategic priorities the church sort of lays out for itself in order to reposition itself. I think, you know, if, if you think about this in marketing terms, I think what the church, um, one of the things the church is faced with is sort of repositioning itself mm-hmm. in the minds of the public out there, the consumers, if you will. And I think the challenge, one of the major challenges for the Pope is to sort of think about, and he has obviously thought deeply about this, um, how to do that. How do I um, sort of move the needle on, on w- with respect to this organization that's been around for so long that so many people's mm-hmm. lives have been transformed by, and sort of re-energize it, reposition it, and, and bring it back to where it was say, 30, 40, 50 years ago, before all the trouble hit. Now, one of the areas which, uh, I I guess, in some respects, it's a little bit different than when you make that correlation between uh, the the Pope and being the CEO of a company, is that, realistically, does he have a board of directors that he has to answer to, or or does he? Well, I think he probably answers to a higher power. Yeah. um, And it's probably not a board of directors, but but there is a higher power to, to which I think he feels very responsible. And I mm-hmm. think a part of, when, when you look at, at some of the pronouncements the Pope has made, I think it puts in, in, it puts very clearly the fact that he's trying to reorient the way and the priorities of the church to make this connection between himself, the people of the church, and the higher power mm-hmm. um, more clear and, and perhaps um, redefined. Is he, it seems like also he's trying to obviously bring the Catholic Church in some respects into the 21st century with a lot of the different things that, that he was trying to do. When you think about the Catholic Church, there's such a, a, a long tradition uh, within some of the things that they do. I mean, you think about, you know, their, their use of social media now. I mean, to, if, to have a pope, you know, that that actually has a Twitter handle, you know, and, and tries to affect that message through Twitter. It is a little bit of an updating because in some respects he's trying to reach uh, a different demographic right now. Well, he, he is trying to reach both a different demographic, but also a, you know, he's got a, he's got a really interesting challenge here because he's trying to reach a, a different demographic, but he also needs to be sure that he doesn't lose the historically um, important demographics. Yeah. So, you know, one way to think about this, or at least the way I think about this is, um, and this is true of, of any organization that finds itself in, a, in an environment that has changed on it and is trying to figure out how to stay in the game, um, in a significant way is, you know, how much can we change and still be the same? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is, as, in a shorthand sort of a way, I think this is part of the challenge the Pope is facing now. How much change, adding a, twi- a Twitter handle, for, um, which is a, just a sort of a, a micro example, yeah. but how much change of, of that sort and, and much broader sorts can can be introduced into the church and still have everyone recognize it as the Catholic Church. That's yeah. a real challenge. Cl- climate change maybe being another one of those uh, areas that he has broached uh, to that he would like to see m- more attention uh, brought to than probably is given right now. Yeah, and, and we could talk a little bit, if you want to, at some point about about what his agenda seems to be. Yeah, I mean, just to, uh, to sort of enter that conversation, you know, there's some issues that he's addressed, which are issues in some ways outside the church, mm-hmm. but tied to the kind of philosophy that he is trying to articulate mm-hmm. for the church. Climate change certainly is is one of those. There are other areas that he is um, sort of 
paying attention to, which have to do with the internal management of the institution. Sure, yeah. And we could talk about yeah. some of those. The changes that he's making with some of the some of the dioceses are, are around the around the globe right now. That's right. And and changes in the um, the way the finances of the church are being managed internally and we yeah. know there's a lot of controversy about that, but he seems to be um, not only willing to take on the challenge of getting the financial house in order, but enthusiastic about doing so. Um, you know, when you when you look at the um, at the sort of storm of controversy that was kicked up when uh, it was revealed that a bishop in Germany had spent um, millions and millions on renovating the the bishop's house yeah. um, in Leipzig. I mean that, and and sort of the the way in which that was handled. Uh, in a way that's very consistent with, I think, the message the Pope is trying to send about um, being modest in the way we approach our lives and, um, you know, de- denouncing, playing down riches and avarice and all that. Uh-huh. So, so there are a lot of different messages on a lot of different levels that he's trying to send, as I see it, both internally with, within the Vatican— internally within the church as a whole, and externally, like climate change, to the, to the larger world. We're talking with Wharton's John Kimberley about uh, Pope Francis and his visit here to the United States, and specifically here to Philadelphia. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. So when you think about that agenda that, that he has, and as you said, it's, it's a multi-front agenda that he has right now, uh, you're talking about a lot of issues that uh, that the importance of them are, are very level. You know, not one is more so important than the other because of the scope of what he's trying to do right now. How does he? How how do you tackle that as a CEO of a company? And and like we said at the top, not many CEOs have had to deal with this kind of amount of change that has to happen. Yeah, absolutely right, Dan. And you know, when I look at what, um, at least the way I see what the Pope is trying to do. Um, he is trying to initiate change on a massive scale and across a number of, of different levels. Uh, as I said before, he's trying to in- introduce change into the way the Vatican manages itself or yep. is managed internally. He's trying to introduce changes within the church and the way the church uh, is, is organized and managed. Um, and he's trying to make some, some, some statements that really go way beyond the church itself and, and affect the way resources are, are used and, 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 and abused, yeah. you know, on a global scale. So he's really, um, he seems to be unafraid to tackle these issues at a variety of levels. And I think right now, to me, the interesting question is, um, okay, it's one thing to make public pronouncements, um, he has been able to galvanize incredible amounts of, of interest and support for what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, when we look at what's happening right here in Philadelphia in anticipation of his visit sure. and all of the investment that's being made and making sure this is a secure and safe uh, venue for him to greet, and who knows how many millions, perhaps, yeah. of people million are going to turn and a half, out for this. Two million people, something like that, I mean, that, when you yeah. think about influence and the ability of a single person— to exert influence, I don't know of anyone um, on the globe who has that level of potential influence, which he can use to advance a variety of, agenda, of agendas. Yeah. And, and being willing to, as we've heard and, and seen in articles, not only want to try and push the agenda forward for uh, the Catholic Church, but also to be critical of the Catholic Church 
in a variety of different manners. And that's an interesting aspect to it as well that I guess in some respects does divert from what uh, what we're what we know of the Catholic Church, especially in the last you know 20, 30 years of the protection of the of the identity of the Catholic Church. So this leads me to to raise uh, an, an interesting, what to me is an interesting speculation, um, and that is, as we know, um, Pope Francis succeeded Pope Benedict, uh-huh. um, and we know that Pope Benedict was a more conservative pope, yep. um, and we know that he actually resigned, um, which was a, a something that's very, very unusual yep. uh, in, in the papacy. And so one of the questions that, that I think about or wonder about is, the the um, the College of Cardinals did the College of Cardinals understand what they were getting when they um, elected Pope Francis? Uh, it's a it's a very interesting question that transcends the issue of leadership change in the in the Catholic Church. It's a more general question about leadership change in general. Yeah, when whoever it is that's charged with um, determining the succession issue. Uh, whatever group it is is charged with it. How, what are they trying to accomplish? Yeah. Um, and how much certainty can they have that whatever agenda they're trying to institute will actually be carried out by the person that they're um, electing or appointing? Yeah. So, question in my own mind is: um, Was there really some deep understanding of how far this new pope would go in advancing a, a, an agenda, a broad agenda of social change? Mm-hmm. It certainly uh, was designed, I think, with the, his, his election was designed to send a different message than was being sent by his predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who knows? Well, it does give you the sense of, of exactly what you're talking about, that maybe they had an understanding of who this person was, but maybe did not have a full understanding of where he would like to take the papacy. Which is, you know, it, it may be very well two different things that we're talking about here. Well, they're, they're different, obviously related. Um, yeah. The, uh, and and I, I think just fascinating to watch the way it's playing out. And like any sort of organizational change, no matter how big or small the organization is, when somebody comes in with a somewhat different agenda for the organization, mm-hmm. there are going to be people inside who are supportive and who are um, with the program, as it were, and there are going to be those who aren't and who see the changes that are being instituted as in some ways threatening their own um, you know, livelihoods and, and their, their, their own sort of agendas that they've built up over a period of time. And so one can just imagine that internally within the Vatican and on a, broader, on a much broader basis you know, across the, the church um, globally, Pope Francis has his supporters, there's no question about that, but there are also folks who are probably not as enthusiastic about this mm-hmm. agenda. Um, and so it's going to be one of, one of his challenges in terms of implementation, actually getting stuff done, getting yeah. things changed, is going to be trying to um, act in such a way as the, the people who are, are doubters or resistors mm-hmm. are drawn into the discussion and drawn into the change process. But, but I guess in some respects, though, a- at least the fact that he is willing to talk about climate change and, and he's even you know starting to maybe push the discussion forward about divorce and, and the changes mm-hmm. he'd like to make within the Catholic Church. From that perspective, he is bringing, trying to bring the people that are in the Catholic Church into the discussion, but he's also trying to bring back the people that may have 
left the Catholic Church because of what has happened and bring them back into the discussion, which is an important part of this as well. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think what he's really trying to do, as best I can tell from the outside, um, is set an agenda for change. Um, and he's doing that across, as, as we said before, a variety of, of levels. You know, climate change itself is not a, is ne- necessarily a religious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's not an issue that uh, in any necessary way involves the Catholic Church per se, but it is a huge sort of moral issue. Yep. Um, you know, are, are we being good stewards of this planet? And if not, what do we need to change in order to be better stewards of it? So, you know, again— setting an agenda on multiple levels here. So he is he spent time in Cuba and now he's here in the United States. That agenda moving forward uh, obviously we will see play out uh over the next several weeks and months to come. How much of the agenda do you think he will try and bring forth in his you know in his time that he spent here in the United States and how much of it is just you know strictly at, as the role as the pope? you know, just reaching out to the millions of people that he may very well do uh, over his week here in the United States. Yeah, my guess is that um, we're not going to see any bold new strokes announced um, during his time in Washington and New York and Philadelphia. Um, my guess is that he's going to use this, um, the, the, plat- the amazing platform that he has yep. uh, with, with, the, uh, with the speeches he's going to be giving in those three cities and the amount of attention that these speeches are, are going to get. He's going to use that time to reinforce some of the ideas that he's put out there already. I, I would be quite surprised if there were any, uh, any startling new agenda items that he brings up. I think, he's, I think he's at a point now where he needs to focus on sort of consolidating around a, a relatively uh, fixed, finite number of issues mm-hmm. And, and build the support that he's going to need in order to move those issues forward in terms of, of actual changes. Well, and it, it seems like in terms of the, the, the ideas that he's trying to push forward and being here in the United States, one that, that is seemingly being linked together is climate change because of what President Obama has said on the topic. And, of course, there is the climate summit coming up in Paris uh, in early December as well. So these are, you know, you're talking about the, the most powerful holy man on the planet with probably the most powerful national leader. Uh, on the planet as well, both focused on the same type of topic. And what's interesting about this to me is that this is a, a highly political agenda. Yes. Yeah. That into which the Pope is willing to insert himself and the influence of the Church, and and he's he's doing this in a way which is consistent with the, the Church's position on the, um, the the sort of suitable use of and responsible use of of resources on on the planet. Yeah. Um, but that that he is willing to align with those who are are concerned about uh, climate change, I think is is very significant, uh, and it it represents a uh, an, an entry into a, a highly political realm by a an institution that. Isn't, doesn't necessarily have to do that. It, it has its own politics, the Catholic Church. <laughs> it has Church. its own politics, but, for but, sure. But it is certainly different. But in, in that respect, though, he has the opportunity to to use his influence and his status to potentially affect the change, at least in this area, which is something, realistically, we haven't 
seen much exactly from right. a pope before. Exactly right. I, I completely agree with that. The, the, the finance part of this as well is something we've talked about on the show before, and, and the issues that the, the finances of the Catholic Church have had. It's well documented about the variety of, of items that are being sold off by the Catholic Church. You mentioned the, the issues over in Germany uh, a while back, and obviously for people that live in the Philadelphia area, and you may remember there was the story about the Catholic Church having a home down at, at the New Jersey shore, which they sold off as well because they saw it as a as a luxury that the, that the church shouldn't have. The financial aspect of running a company is one thing. The financial aspect of running this church there's probably a lot more similarities that I, I would think than what many people would probably believe. Well, at some at some level, that's probably true. And of course, another thing that um, is in play here is the relationship between the Vatican and um, the the various local churches around the world. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, a there's a huge distance, obviously, between those two, and the extent to which what the um, what comes out of the Vatican influences what happens on the ground uh-huh. in local parishes is, is there's an interesting dynamic there um, when you you know s- some of the um, some of the data about what's happening um, in the church around the world are um, obviously behind some of the Pope's initiatives here but when you look at for example the difficulty the church is having recruiting um, men to the priesthood yep, yep. Um, the dwindling number of nuns that um, are uh, available um, and the difficulty in recruiting young women to um, to become nuns. Uh, when you look at the number of parishes that are closing mm-hmm. around the world, yep. um, and the you know they're having to use priests to cover, um, you know, it, more than one parish at one time sure. uh, simultaneously. When you look at the closing right here in Philadelphia of parochial schools, mm-hmm. the consolidation yep. of parochial schools, the yep. consolidation of parishes, so there's. A lot of this consolidation and a lot of these issues are driven by um, by finances and and. Um, but is yeah. the Catholic is the Catholic education system maybe something that that they can really use a, a, as a jumping off point to to really take the Catholic Church to that next level? Because even though Catholic schools, you know, here in Philadelphia and other spots are struggling and, and closing. They do present a certain level of stability that I think the education system in a lot of areas of the country doesn't have right now. So it has a chance to really lift this the education piece to us, but it also has a chance to lift the, the, the Catholic Church as well. You know, th- this is a really interesting question. I, I have some good friends who are, are Catholic, practicing Catholics, and who have their children in Catholic schools, and they swear by the kind, the quality and the type of education that their kids get sure. um, in these schools. And a couple of the, the friends that I have um, are themselves graduates of secondary education in Catholic schools, and mm-hmm. one of them actually graduated from a Catholic college. Um, and so, and they are willing to go to the mat with respect to the kind of quality and, and the character of the education that's provided by mm-hmm. um, parochial schools. The, the issue, though, is, and, and so I, I take your point that maybe there's a, a possibility here in a, a context in this country where our secondary education system is in disarray and we have all sorts of problems with the quality of education in the secondary education sector. Um, Catholic schools, I, I believe, could have a, an important role to play there. Um, the, the issue is how do you balance, how do you, how do you sort of re-energize 
the parochial school system in the face of fiscal constraints yep. um, and demographic constraints, which are forcing consolidation. I mean, that there's a, you know, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a possible way forward here, um, for sure. Exactly how to make that happen is is not obvious, at least to me. The one thing we know for certain, and, and we are both going to be out of town this weekend uh, because, uh, you know, with various things we're doing, it will be very interesting to watch kind of everything that has happened, especially this weekend here in Philadelphia, to just to see, you know, he, he's going to be doing the mass uh, in, in front of the art museum. He's going to be speaking in front of Independence Hall. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all kind of plays out. And my guess is it'll play out very positively for him. Um, I, I think he has a, a, a level of sort of charisma and ability to relate to people um, that energizes them, that creates a sense of, of trust, I think, yeah. um, and, and hope and optimism. Uh, and, and his, you know, the way he's trying to um, emphasize uh, the, the kinds of challenges that the disenfranchised face mm-hmm. and trying to focus attention on the disenfranchised and, and reduce the gaps in, in income and all that sort of thing, I think will play very, very well here. And I imagine that there'll be huge turnout. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think people will go away from this weekend with sort of a, a renewed sense of, of hope around what the Catholic Church is and yeah. what it has to offer. Um, the question in my mind is, how is he going to build on this? I mean, yep. you, 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 you're going to gen- you'll generate some momentum. <clears throat> then there's some things that have to fall in place behind that in order to sustain the the, the movement, the positive movement. And there, of course, it, it relies on the people who are on the ground, yep, uh, who are here, the people in the parishes, and the, all all the people that are running the parishes as well, and and the bishops and and yep. so on. So so there's a, a and this is where. The challenge of change, um, you know, it, where the rubber meets the road in, yep. in change is you can you can have an agenda setting CEO, if you will, who is charismatic and articulate and has a vision that is compelling, but it's all about execution and and sort of how you take that vision and translate it into meaningful things that happen on the ground. And I think that's the challenge that faces the church. John, great to have you. Thank you very much for coming in. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.